welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, you can be seated. So glad that you're here. We're gonna have we're gonna have fun this summer. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Pastor Keith's alive. That's really cool. Uh, I, I get to have a good summer because of that. We're gonna we're gonna get started just just here in a minute. We're gonna talk about um, some things that we feel like God wants us to talk about as a church. But before we do, let's just pray. So God, we just thank you this morning that you know what's going on in our lives. God, you know what's happening in our families, you know what's happening in our church, you know what's happening in our businesses, everything, and uh, you know what's happening in our hearts. And God, I pray that even more than anything that happens in a physical sense, any word that's spoken by a person or anything that we read, I just thank you that we're spiritual beings, and so you can speak directly to our spirit, and we just pray that you do that. I pray that it wouldn't be about anything that I say, but it would be just, God, about what you want to say directly to us. We just pray that you'd move, that you'd talk to us, to our hearts, that you'd lead us and guide us. You know exactly where we're at, and uh, we believe a word from you can change our life. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're talking about we're talking about Game Over. That's been our, our serious title, and so some of you that do not participate in the video game subculture in the world, uh, number one, you're missing out, and I don't know what's wrong with you. Number two, um, Number two, we're talking about a game called Portal today. And you might not have ever heard about Portal. Some people are really excited because Portal's a great game. Um, so The Cake is a Lie is my title. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about why the title is The Cake, the cake is a Lie. So in this, in this video game called Portal that came out a few years ago, you're required to do numerous tasks in a research facility, and you're guided by a computer. So you have this computer that's talking to you, and this computer repeatedly mentions throughout the game that if you can finish all the experiments and do everything that you're asked to do, then you're going to get cake, And um, so which we have a representation of today here on the stage. So you're going to get cake. Now, this is GLaDOS, the, com- the robot that's guiding you through. So here's what you discover, though, while you're, while you're playing the game. While you're playing the game, you quickly realize that the cake is a lie. So you come to a, a part in a level where it's hidden and someone has written on the wall, the cake is a lie. And uh, not only will the computer, your, your, your friend that you thought was this robot friend, not only will they not give you cake at the end, uh, they're actually going to try to kill you. So this is the, the end of like kind of the last level where you're going to go get your cake, but it's, actually, uh, but it's actually fire. So the cake is a lie. Here's what the cake is a lie means, not just for the sake of our talk today, but the cake is a lie has kind of become this cultural meme. And, and what it means is that you are chasing after an empty and unattainable goal. So what, so what we think is going to win, what we think is going to be the thing that we're striving for, the thing that we think we're living our life for, we're aiming for, we're pushing for, we're pressing for, we're pushing all the buttons for, all that different kind of stuff, that is not going to be the win at the end. You're going to get to the end and realize that there's fire, there's not uh, cake. So this is a real cake. I'm not going to do anything with this cake. Uh, we just decided to uh, have a cake on stage. Uh, with me while I'm talking, because this cake is not a lie, but that cake is. So last weekend, last weekend we talked about, we laid the foundation for this, this whole kind of series, this flow that we're in as a church. 
And uh, what we have to do is we have to come, the reason why this series is called Game Over is because we have to come to the end of the game. We have to understand that there is a way that Jesus wants us to live that is completely different than our natural human way of being. And we have to admit that within ourselves. Mark 8, Mark chapter 8 tells us to lose our lives so that we can find life in him. There's a way of doing life that Jesus says is the way, and there's a way of doing life that's our natural way, and those things do not connect on any level. That means you and I actually have to listen to him, and we have to be led by God with something in our life called conviction. Now, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back and, uh, and listen to the podcast. Let's talk about the cake, though. So in, in Matthew chapter 22, I want to start today with the words of Jesus. So you can go with me if you have your Bible um, uh, you can go to Matthew chapter 22. If you want to see where we're going, if you want notes, uh, you can go to live.elevate.life. There's notes on there as well if you want to take notes on your phone. So Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35, a Pharisee. I'm going to explain to you what a Pharisee is in a minute, but this, this verse kind of tells you. A Pharisee, one of the experts in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So this was crazy insanity that Jesus would say this, and, and here's why. The law and demands of the prophets that Jesus was referring to um, contained over 600, or contained 613 unique commandments. So Jesus is saying all 613 things, you can distill them down into two, but really into one, and I'll get into that into a second. But I want to hang out and wear you out talking about these commandments. So these commandments were divided into positive commands, meaning do this, and negative commands, meaning don't do this. There are 365 negative commands, one for each day of the, of the solar year, and 248 positive commands, one for each bone in the body and main organ in the human body as ancient Jews understand it. So this list was also further divided in many ways depending on the scholar that was interpreting the law. So these commands varied from things that you and I would know, like we got to know that God exists. There's a Bible verse for that. We got to pray to God daily. We can't take revenge or have grudges. And then you get into certain ones that are interesting, like men can't wear women's clothes and vice versa. Don't sacrifice your children in a fire to an idol. So there was a necessity for that law. Don't eat the fruit of a tree in its first three years. So hopefully you don't do that. No magic, um, sorry, whoever, David Blaine, Tony Wonder, whoever it is that you watch. So don't sacrifice, this is, this is like a good one to me that I really try to live in my life, okay? Don't sacrifice animals bought with the wages of a prostitute or any animal that you exchange for a dog. So these are some of the laws that the Pharisees were all about. Okay, the people that were experts in the law, these, these people that are called Pharisees, their, their full-time job was to debate these things, rank these things, organize these things, and make sure everyone followed all 613 of these things. These Pharisees, what they believed, if you were a Pharisee in ancient, Jew, in, in ancient uh, Israel, 
what you believe is that the way to have a relationship with God and the way to make God happy is to fulfill and obey all the laws. So when the Bible says someone was a Pharisee or someone was an expert in religious law, that means their life was consumed by these 613 things. They're ranking, they're debating, they're discussing the law. And here's what Jesus does. He comes along and he says, hey, stop it. You guys have been doing this for hundreds of years. A lot of the laws mentioned in, um, a lot of the laws Jesus is referring to, they're mentioned in the Bible. If you read the book of Leviticus or if you read the book of Deuteronomy, those are like, man, if you want all-time great Bible books, they're just going to like put you to sleep. Those are two of them. You can hang out, read all the laws you want, all the don't do's, all the do's. So Jesus comes and he says, hey, like all that stuff that you think is super, 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 super important, you need to stop worrying about all that, and it's just these two things. So the cake is a lie for the Pharisees. What that means is that you're chasing an empty and unattainable goal. You, you think that the most important thing is fulfilling the law, being obedient, doing everything that it says to do. But what you guys have been doing this whole time for hundreds of years is not what God wants anymore. That's what Jesus is saying. So imagine if for generations, you, your family, people that have gone before you, the only conversation you've had is about this list of things that you have to fulfill, and that's like the purpose for your life. And then, and then this dude comes along, and he's like, hey, don't worry about any of that, just do these two things, and it'll take care of the rest of that stuff. It's heresy. It's heretical to the Pharisees. So, so what, what happens is, is in our life, right, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this thought process mentioned that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what we, what we do, though, in a church environment is we extend that to thinking that God relates the same way to us as human beings. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but God has changed how he deals with us, and that's what Jesus is saying. So they think that the God of the Old Testament deals with us the same way that he did in the Old Testament. But there's this thing called the New Testament, okay? So the word testament is a Latin, it comes from a Latin word that means covenant. So there was an old promise. There was an old way that God operated. Now, if you read the Old Testament, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, don't start in the Old Testament. Because you will learn about a God that is mad, and he's going to smite everybody, and people are just doing all kinds of wrong stuff, all that kind of stuff. Don't start there. Start in the New Testament, because the New Testament's the way that it works now. The Old Testament was the way that it did work for sure. But then there's this person that shows up on the scene, and their name, was, their name was Jesus. And what Jesus did was he ushered in this thing we call, in the church circles, we call the new covenant. So God does not change, but he changes the way that he deals with us. And it's very clear. So Jesus in the story, not that you're wanting to be in theology class today, but Jesus in the story inserts himself and said all of these 613 things we're good for their time, but that is not the way that I want you guys to relate to me, and that's not the way that I want you to relate to people now. Not that these things never existed, not that these things don't matter, not that we're going to delete them. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to fulfill the law, which means there was a start point and there was an end point for that. So Jesus is saying these 613 things, they're coming to a close. They mattered when they mattered, but now they don't matter anymore. That's Matthew chapter 22. There's a new way of doing the same thing. That's what the Bible's telling us. So you might not really care about ancient Jewish history. You might not care about all that stuff that I just said, and that's cool, but I want to set this up because this will challenge 
the heck out of us. So Jesus says, not 613 commands, one command, love. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that in uh, I'm gonna get into that in in just a minute, but but here's what we do in church culture. The longer you've been in church, the more the more the tendency is to become a Pharisee. And what a Pharisee is is a Pharisee's person that a Pharisee is a person that their life is about obedience and and relating their relationship to God with obedience. So if I think in my mind bad things are happening to me because I've disobeyed God, I have a Pharisee mindset. Jesus came to end that. If someone tells you, hey, like that happened to you because you disobeyed God, they're operating as a Pharisee. That's not the way that God operates anymore. Read the New Testament. Now, you don't have to trust me. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm just saying read the New Testament, see how God operates. This is why people get confused reading the Bible, because it's so different between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, definitely, stuff you did, you bring a curse on your life. Stuff you did that was good, you bring a blessing on your life. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 22. Okay, we just read it. Jesus says, all of the law, all the stuff that you can obey, there's such a pressure on us to be obedient, right? It's like if, you, if you've come to church, like if this is your second or third time uh, to, to a church or if you've grown up in church, like I constantly, no one told me this, but I constantly feel like I just have to be just super obedient all the time. Like I just, you know, can't be disobedient to God. So I've grown up in churches and, and I've, been, I've been personally a lot in, in environments where it's like you just have to, you know, make God happy, obey him, don't bring a curse on your life, do all the right things, blah, blah, blah. It's like even though, and Paul says, Paul refers to this, he talks in, in, um, in one of his books, he talks about how that the things that I don't want to do that, that I do and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. So no matter how hard I try, I still can't be obedient enough and I feel like I'm always failing and I'm always screwing up and, you know, I just hope I make it into heaven someday, right? Because I hope, I hope I can make God happy enough. And God, is, God says, through Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, he says, don't worry about all that. Just worry about these two things. So love God, with our, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. But he says, this is the crazy thing. Right? This is the second crazy thing. The first crazy thing was those 613 laws are done with. The second crazy thing is loving people is equally as important as loving God. Now, that's not something I really have ever heard talked about in church. So what Jesus is saying is that your relationship with him is on equal footing as your relationships with other people. John chapter 15, Jesus goes, goes a little bit further. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than for one to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So some of us, we're dysfunctional. Like us loving ourselves, we kind of hate ourselves and, you know, us loving ourselves and, you know, it's like us, the way we love us is like hating and so we're struggling through it, right? Just fighting through our own personal feelings and everything. So maybe you don't need to love people like you love, you need to love people like God loves them. That's what Jesus is saying. He adds that on the end. So love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what love your neighbor as yourself means. Love your neighbor like Jesus loves you. Love your neighbor like God loves you. So when I was a kid, um, I, I struggled a lot with being cynical. I still kind of struggle with it a little bit. I'm working on it. Struggle with dishonor, working on being more honorable, all that, okay? And uh, when I was a kid and I'd have a bad day, um, there was this thing called St. John's Wort. Now, I don't even know what St. John's Wort does, okay? My mom was like really into health food stuff and 
whatever. We had like royal jelly. I don't even know what that is. We had all this kind of stuff in our house we had to take all growing up. Like, try this drink. It's like, that tastes awful. It's horrible. <laughs> to this day, she makes these shakes and they have whatever. They got like MCT oil in them and vegan whatever and blah, blah, blah. Like, not me. So, So when I was a kid and I'd have a bad day, my parents would ask me, they would say, have you taken your St. John's work today? <laughs> so whatever you got to do to love yourself well, we want you to do that here at Elevate Life Church. Take your St. John's work, have the conversation, see the therapist, go to the counselor. We got a lot of great counselors that come to our church that are part of our church. One of my best friends in the world, Brittany Lashua, she's an unbelievable doctor therapist person. She, they taught in our Elevated Marriages class last week. Call her up. She will help you love yourself really well. But Jesus is not saying, hey, just love people like you love yourself. Jesus is taking it one step further, and he's saying, love people like I love you, like you know the love that I have for you. Romans chapter 13, in the message version, I love the way that um, the message version plays this out. Paul says, don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe to each other. When you love other people, you complete what the law has been all along. The law code, don't sleep with another person's spouse, don't take someone's life, don't take what isn't yours, don't always be wanting what you don't have, and any other don't you can think of, finally adds up to this. Love other people as well as you love yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add everything up, in the law code, the sum total is love. The question you and I have to answer is like, do we do that? Especially those of us, like I've said, that have walked with God a long time, that feel like we've walked with God a long time, it's really easy to slip into this mode of thinking that my relationship to God is somehow purely based on my obedience to him and whether or not I can follow all these laws and follow all these commandments and do all this stuff. And Jesus is like, 2,000 years ago, by the way, I'm not giving you, this isn't like a book of the Bible that we wrote last week. This is, this is the Bible 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the founder of our faith, the CEO of the church, all of that saying, hey, here's how it works. So my question to myself is how has it become in culture where it's not that way? I don't understand because we're supposed to be following this dude. So we call ourselves Christians, which means little Christs, we're Jesus followers, all that. And Jesus says, hey, just make it about these two things. And somehow we still think like prejudice is cool. Like we still think it's okay to hate certain people. We think it's okay to, to, to in, in this, in the, you know what's crazy to me? What's crazy to me is that Christians have been around since this thing, right? So over 2,000 years ago, slavery happened, right? There were a lot of people that were Christians that were slave owners. Thought slavery was just a thing that like, is that, I don't know. Is that loving your neighbor as yourself? Probably not. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't want to be a slave, so I wouldn't want to put someone in slavery. Civil rights, segregation in the United States of America. I mean, they're, they're, you can go back. You can look at it. I don't recommend you do it unless you just want to have a bad day, right? <laughs> there, there were preachers in the South where we live in the United States of America that were preaching for segregation and preaching for if, you're, if your skin was colored, you were less than. What the heck? There, 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 there are people, there are people that we know that still feel like that's a thing. 
And these people, these people call themselves Jesus followers. They're like, I'm living, I'm living the Jesus life, brother. You are. You loving your neighbor as yourself? Because that's what he said the most important thing was. Who's your neighbor? Read the story of the Good Samaritan. The neighbor is anybody that's around you, a human being. So we've, like, culturally, as Christians, I'm, like, sitting here going, I don't even know. Like, maybe one day we'll all die, and we'll go to heaven, and Jesus will be like, you guys all missed it. That's crazy. Y'all don't get in here. It's insane. It's literally insane. It's, insane. it's not insane to me that the world is dysfunctional. It's not insane to me that prejudice exists. It's not insane to me that there's racism. It's insane that Christians are that, though. It's insane that someone calls themselves a Christian and they feel justified in hating people. It's insane, it's insane that someone calls themselves a Christian and they think it's okay to have divides, socioeconomic, cultural, political, racial, on and on and on I could go. You just can't do it. You can't align it. You can't align it with the gospel. You can't align it with the message of Jesus. So if I'm going to go a way that's divided, then what I have to do is say, hey, I'm not really going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do my thing. Jesus said this is it. That's it. Simple. Two things. They're both the same rank to me, but two things. Two things you got to do. Two steps. Step one, step two. Step one, love God. Step two, love everyone else. Not the, not, there's not qualifiers on there. So, this is, why, this is why I spent so much time talking about the law. Because we can come up with all the stuff we got to obey. We can come up with all the reasons why. Matthew chapter 5, here's how important it was to Jesus. Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 5. And he says, so if you're presenting and a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, that might not mean anything to you and me because none of us are ancient Jews. Jesus is talking to ancient Jews 2,000 years ago. Here's what ancient Jews has, had to do in the temple. There was one temple in the whole country in Jerusalem the only place you could offer a sacrifice was at that temple. It wasn't like, like imagine if in the United States of America, there was one church. There's just one physical church we all have to go to and we all have to worship there. That was exactly what it was like. And so hundreds of thousands of people would all have to go to the temple throughout the year and make sacrifices and atone for their sins. That was a huge deal to God. This is the, this, if you don't make atonement for your sin biblically, God will kill you. That's, that's, how, that's how freaked out these people were about this thing. So Jesus, the son of God, comes and he says, I know that we have said this temple thing is really important. But your relationship to people is more important than whether or not you're worried about God killing you or not. So if your people would go to the temple and they would wait in line for days they wait in line for days to offer the sacrifice because guess what? Only the high priest could offer the sacrifice. So not only is there hundreds of thousands of people in line, there's one guy who has to handle this whole thing. It's not a group of people. Like we've had stuff here at, at church before where it's like, hey, everyone's going everyone's gonna to come around and Pastor Keith's going to pray for him. And it's like just the people in this room, it's ours. It's exhausting for me to watch. I don't do it. It's exhausting for me to watch. So imagine hundreds of thousands of people, right? So this is the context that Jesus is talking to. And he's saying, you might be in the middle of waiting in line. And then remember that you've offended somebody or they've offended you. Go get it right with them, then come back and deal with God. That is like, you know what, Jesus? If you weren't the son of God, 
Like, we'd kill you. That's what they ended up doing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> because he said stuff like this. Because Jesus said stuff like this that turned the whole thing on its head. So the Pharisees are like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? This is, you know, I love, like, I, I talked about it last week. It's like Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby. What do you mean? Like, if you ain't first, you're last. I've lived my whole life by that. Well, there's all kinds of places, second, third, fourth, whatever. So Jesus is like, hey, that's not really, what do you mean, Jesus? That's crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. We've studied this stuff. You're just some 30-year-old dude showing up on the scene, and you don't know anything about anything. So sacrifices were major. Uh, obeying God was the thing that mattered, was the thing that mattered most. And Jesus says, okay, if you don't have right relationship, not with me, if you don't have right relationship with a person in your life, go back and talk to them, and then we can talk. And then we can deal with each other. I don't really like that. <clears throat> I got people in my life, I don't want to talk to them ever again. I don't want to see them. I don't want to have right relationship with them. I don't want to think about them. I don't look at them. I don't follow them on Instagram. I, I, I would block them, but they would know that they're blocked. <laughs> right? Like I'm trying to pretend. I'm trying to pretend like I'm forgiven and I love you and all that. But I don't love you. I don't, I don't love you. I don't want to think about you. People bring them up in conversation. I'm like, please, let's not talk about that person. All right, so Jesus is saying, if you're there with somebody, get past it first, and then we can have the conversation. So the cake, cake is a lie. The cake is thinking and living like only loving God matters. When Jesus said loving people is of equal importance to him. We're going to get more into that next week. But Jesus said, loving people is of equal importance to him. That means that our relationships with all people should matter just as much to us as our relationship with our creator. That is not in the 613 laws that I've been studying my whole life. I grew up in churches my whole life, and, and the opposite of this was, is often taught and it's often talked about and it's often lived out where, hey, just make God happy. Just be obedient. Just serve God. Just love God. Just do things for God and then your life will be good. God uh, said, Jesus said, get it right with people. That's it. Not don't drink, not don't smoke, not don't get tattoos, not grow the temple, not grow the hair out on your temples to where you never cut it, not don't put earrings in your ears, not all that different kind of stuff. Not don't have this sin issue in your life. Not get past this and then God will love you. Jesus said, get it right with people. That's it. So what do you got to do? Ask yourself that question. I ask myself that question. I don't like it. I don't like to have that conversation. But ask yourself the question, what do I have to do as a human being, as a person, to get it right with people? What do I have to do to stay right with people? It would change the way you and I see things politically. Like It would change, it would change how fired up we get about just stupid stuff. It would change. It would change what it, it would change prejudice. It would change bigotry. It would change how people felt about people with brown skin or browner skin. It would change that because I, because my my focus would be I got to get it right with people. I got to get it right with human beings. I don't care what the politics are. Jesus didn't care. He didn't say hey like you know um, love your neighbor as yourself unless 9/11 happens and then you can hate all the Muslims. That's not what he said. He didn't, said love, he didn't say love your neighbor as yourself 
uh, unless Fox News says that that person's evil and you should hate them. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself unless CNN says Donald Trump's an idiot and y'all should all hate him. That's not, that's not what it said. So here's what we do, though. We make qualifiers and distinctors based on our personal prejudice. And we're like, I, okay, God, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, but my neighbor's a, a, a white, you know, 30-year-old man that is also losing his hair like me. Like, I have to love people, even people that have a lot more hair than me. They said, don't say that. Everyone's more sensitive about my hair than I am. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example of my in-group. I'm prejudiced against people with nice hair. <laughs> I hate it. I was looking at Mitchell Choppa the other day. We were in a meeting. I was looking at Mitchell Choppa. I was like, Mitchell Choppa's freaking hair is so glorious. <laughs> like, I remember when I had hair like that. Makes me mad at him. I don't even know why. I'm mad at the dude for his haircut. <laughs> Sorry, it's too real. I'm getting too real with y'all. <laughs> but we look, at, we look at the people that, for whatever reason, I don't know what all the reasons are. Ultimately, we got to decide they don't matter because Jesus didn't put qualifiers on it. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself unless you've been abused. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself unless that person mistreated you. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself unless someone victimized you. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself unless they're a police officer that mistreats you. He didn't say that, right? Whatever the divides are for us, whatever we're taught, whatever people say around us, whatever we watch on the news, whatever, all the stuff that we take in in our life, it affects our worldview. It affects our perspective. But Jesus says... That's, that shouldn't be your perspective. That might be people's experience, and that might be the way that people that aren't Jesus followers operate, but if you're going to follow me, you're going to understand that the cake is a lie. Like, you're going to understand that it's not about these divides. It's not about fulfilling all the laws. It's just about loving people. So this is the point we have to come to, game over. Like, just stop it. Whatever all, the, whatever all the discussions are, whatever all the excuses are, whatever all the talks are, whatever all the reasons why are, Jesus, Jesus said, this is it. All the law, all the demands, all the whatever, if you're going to follow me. Now, you and I, we don't have to follow him. We don't have to follow Jesus. No one's like twisting your arm, forcing you to do it. No one's putting you in a position to have to do it. But if you and I are going to put this title on ourselves... And I'm going to say, I follow Jesus. That means I'm going to do things his way. So it doesn't matter who said otherwise. Right? Because depending on who we watch and what kind of personalities that we're attracted to and, you know, the different people that we follow in the world, we can take on their perspective as we're that, we're that person follower. You know, whoever those people are. Side note, Kylie Jenner is a billionaire. That's crazy. I learned that, I was like, that's unbelievable. Anyway, you follow someone like that. I'm not saying go follow her. Some of y'all get in trouble for following her. Anyway, get back. If Pastor Keith was here, he'd be like, get back on the word, son. So there's a lot of stuff that we can hear. There's a lot of stuff that can shift and change our perspective and shape our perspective. Depending on your political leanings, depending on what channel that you watch, one side or the other is really bad, right? You know, 
We, want, we all want to have good behavior. But I'm saying in general as it relates to socioeconomic policies and healthcare and all this different stuff. We can allow, that, we can allow the, the stuff like that to shape us and to begin to shape our worldview and affect how we treat people. Right? Whether it's about the politics of our day, issues like abortion, things like gay marriage, all that different kind of stuff. And it can affect how we treat people. When, when the people that are struggling the most should feel the most welcome around us. And that's what Jesus is saying. So the people that you and I would identify, okay, the people that you and I would identify based on the law are the worst sinners should be the people that we love most and the people that, that, that feel the most accepted by us. But we live, in a, we live in a culture where whatever has happened that puts us in a position where we're like, no, those people are not a part of the group. You're not right enough. You don't, ha- you don't, you don't, you don't follow well enough. You, you, you need to repent. You need to, you need to get past some things, and then we can talk. And that's not Jesus', Jesus conversation with us. He didn't say, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make your friends repent, and then love them as yourself. He said, love people like I've loved you. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous because how does, God, how does God love you and I if we have a revelation of that? Like my prayer for this series is that we would have a revelation in our personal lives as individuals of how much God loves us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we are screw-ups and we're not going to get it right. And thank God for Jesus. Because, because I'm not good enough. Like I'm so in, I don't deserve it, but I'm so in need of it. I'm so in need of it because without it, I'm ashamed of myself. Without it, I'm, I can't, there's no way I'm going to hit the target. And so Jesus says, great, understand that so that you can help people feel that way. Because loving people like Jesus loves them, this is the, this is the scary part for me. Unlimited grace. Someone can't screw up bad enough for me not to love them. Unlimited mercy. Unlimited forgiveness. Unlimited letting it go. Unlimited starting over. Unlimited getting back to the very beginning. Now, that doesn't always mean relationships with, with individuals. But Jesus, Jesus said it, so we got to do it. To quote the great po- the poet of our, of our day, DMX, <laughs> he said, it's not what you heard, it's what you're hearing. So it's not what you heard. It's not what you and I heard when we saw that thing or when something bad happened in society, or when something bad happened in culture. Depending on the era that you were born in, depending on the era that you were raised in, certain people were the enemy in that season. Right? Go back 1950s, 1960s, all before then, like black people were the problem. Post 9-11, brown people were the problem. Jesus is saying before all this stuff happened and before you got all jacked up about it, Just understand what I want out of you. Follow me. Don't follow all this other stuff out there. Follow me. Honor me. Love me. And then let that inform the way that you do life with other people. So imagine. Like imagine for for yourself. I don't know. Again, I don't know know where you're at in your own personal walk. But what if, what if the only thing you and I cared about were those two things? Hey, I'm going to love God to the very best of my ability 
and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to treat people like Jesus would treat them. Like if Jesus was walking around and he had my face and he had my skin and he lived like me, I'm going to treat people as if I was Jesus that was present in their life. How much would our lives change? How much would our relationships change? How much would our focus of our business change? If we just realized that Jesus said the only two things that matter, they're equal, they're of equal importance, but the only two things that matter are loving God and loving people. What if that was like, the, that was it? There wasn't 611 things we added on to that, which is kind of how our life, which is kind of how our life looks. It's like, hey, just make your life about that. Imagine how much like our lives would change. Imagine how more at peace we'd be. Imagine how much culture would be different. Imagine the kind of, the kind of world that, that would exist if we built that. Imagine what our reputation would be if, as Jesus followers if we just said, hey, I'm going to simplify. I'm going to simplify the focus of my life. And if Jesus said it, now again, this is not Josh Kraft telling you. Jesus said this is the most important stuff. And if Jesus said it, I'm going to take it to the bank. And I'm going to trust that it's going to work out because I got to work through all my internal stuff. I got to work through the people that I feel like are less obedient than me. I got to work through my own self-righteousness thinking that, well, I'm doing really good and that person's doing really bad. But what if, but what if we did that? How would, how would Jesus be able to work through our life? Because the people that you and I have had the biggest struggles with are the people that probably need the love of Jesus the most in their life. The people that we look at in society and we're like, that person is a notorious sinner. person is a complete idiot. Those are people that need someone to show up in their life to love them with the love of Jesus. So what if we loved everyone like God loves us for no reason and expected nothing? What would that look like? I don't know. I'm trying. We got to try. This is the thing you and I should commit our lives to living this kind of life to say, you know what, like, God, help me work through my hurts, help me work through my own guilt, help me work through my own conviction, help me work through my own stuff so that I can just accomplish the mission that you've put me on the earth to accomplish because you're only going to live, you know, YOLO, you're only going to live once. No one says that anymore, but it's still true. We only got this one shot and you only got the people that you're going to interact with. You only got the people that you're going to run across. You only got your family. That's your family that God's put in your life. And we've got to, we've got to do, we've got to give it 100%. We don't have to win. The great thing is God helps us win, but we've got to give it 100% of our effort. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to make it about, I'm going to make it about these two things. I feel like the greatest area of conviction in my, in my life, the greatest area of conviction in my life is when I wrong other people. I don't feel like God's mad at me. Now, some of you might be sitting here this morning and you might not have walked with God for a long time and you might still feel like God's mad at you. God is not going to be mad at you. He's never been mad at you. He's already done it. But the greatest areas of conviction in my life are not when I feel like I messed up with God. It's when I feel like I messed up with people. So what I want to do is just everyone that, that's here and watching online or whatever, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me because I want to give you an opportunity. Here's, here's the thing. There they're both, they're both of equal importance, but they're sequential. So the only way, the only way for us to love God like Jesus, lo or love people like Jesus loves us is by putting ourselves in a position to feel God's love. So you might have walked in here this morning and you might feel completely ashamed of yourself. You might feel condemned. You might feel guilty. You might feel really bad about a whole bunch of stuff. 
What God says to us in his word, what he says to you today is he doesn't want you to feel that way. It's not about feeling shame and guilt and condemnation. It's about knowing that Jesus' love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible says. That the goodness of God leads us to a place of repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance is just, I'm going one way and I'm going to go, I'm going to go another way. God wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He created you. He's given you a purpose. He's given you a destiny, all that kind of stuff. You should not feel ashamed of yourself. You're still going to have drama. You're still going to have issues, but he makes it really simple. Just make your life about these two things. He already loves you so much. So let's just, let's just love him back. And again, I don't, I'm up here on a stage. I don't know where you're at personally. I don't know where you're at individually with God, but he does. So some of you have been sitting here today in church and you've just been feeling some kind, of, some kind of tug in your heart. That's God saying, hey, I'm knocking the door and knocking at the door of your heart. We got to decide to let him in. We got to decide to feel that love. We got to decide to let go of our shame and guilt and condemnation and all those different ways that we feel because he loves you so much. He wants to love people through you. So if you're here and that's you and you just know on whatever level, I don't know what that is, but I know that the, the Holy Spirit's doing his work in your life right now. You just know on whatever level, I got to get myself in right relationship with God. I need to accept that love. Maybe for the first time, maybe it's just a new season in your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. You're not going to do anything weird. I just want to count you in a prayer. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to get some things right between me and God right now. I need to accept his love. I need to accept his mercy. I need to get rid of this shame and guilt and condemnation or whatever it is that you feel. You can just put your hands up right now. So I'm giving you an opportunity. Is there anybody else? So I want everyone that can hear my voice just to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me right now. Feel your love. I pray that you'd overwhelm me with an understanding of how much you love me. And I pray from this day forward, you would be Lord of every area of my life. Thank you for your love. Help me to love people. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we give those people that just made that decision a big hand? Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.